0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 12 and verse 3. Daniel, chapter 12 and verse 3. And then with your other hand, find James 5.20. It's good for Sandy and I to be back with the Grace Baptist Church. Appreciate your love and care for souls around the world. We know we couldn't do it without your help, without your prayers, so thank you so much. Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 in one hand, find James chapter 5 and verse 20 in the other. And if you're able, stand with me as we look at God's word this morning. Let's begin with Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. On that thought, James 5.20, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. And one more I'm going to read, you know, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help me to convey the message you laid upon my heart this morning for this congregation. I pray, Lord God, we would see great truths from your word and that we would honor you this hour. Lord, we invite you into this church. We invite you to move by your Holy Spirit, in each and every pew, in each and every heart. Lord, you know the needs that we have in our lives. Many others may not know, but you do. So we come this morning to worship, to lift up Jesus, and to get help from you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Seems like every day we wake up, there's something more bizarre that comes over the news that topped what happened the day before. I'll tell you what, we live in strange times. Certainly the signs of the ends are upon us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 22 talks about the creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together. We see all the, the murders going on today and all the uh, evil and the wickedness. In the past, God had destroyed cities for their wickedness and yet today they are alive and about. And we often wonder and scratch our head How much longer, Lord, will you allow these things to take place? And so we consider these things as we see more bizarre things take place every day. But I believe we can find the answer in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us for that all uh, none should perish and all should repent. And as we think of the love of God and His compassion on souls, I think the only reason He hasn't came back, the only reason He hasn't made right the wrongs, is His compassion for souls. As we see here, the uh, Proverbs 11 and verse 30 said, He that winneth souls is wise. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a wise man than I would be a foolish man. And according to God, if His people want to be wise, they're going to be busy about winning souls. What does that mean? Well, the word win means to convince men that they are lost and to persuade men to repent of their sin and trust Christ as Lord and Savior. In Acts chapter number 26, Paul is trying to persuade King Agrippa of his need for Jesus Christ. He gave his testimony of his salvation and King Agrippa listened intently and sadly at the end of their conversation said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul said, I wish it wasn't almost, but altogether, and not only you, but everyone here in my voice would consider Christ and his great need in their life. We see Apollos in chapter number 18 of Acts, convincing the Jews, it says, for he mightily convinced the Jews that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ." The greatest joy a Christian will ever experience is when he or she sits down with someone and explains the glorious gospel to them and sees them finally understand that Jesus died for them and that they are also sinners and that their need of God's forgiveness and by coming to Christ, their life changes. I know many times when you talk to people, they will say, well, I, I know about God, I know about Jesus, therefore I must be okay. But I sometimes will take the analogy of Michael Jordan and say, well, do you know Michael Jordan? Well, of course, everybody on earth knows Michael Jordan. He's the greatest of all time basketball player. And I said, okay, wonderful. How many times have you been over to his house for dinner? Oh, wait a minute. I, I've never been over to his house for dinner. I thought you knew Michael Jordan. How many times has he come over to your house? How many times have you met him in person, shook his hand? Well, I've never met him. I've never. So what you're saying is you know about Michael Jordan, but you don't know Michael Jordan. I'll then explain the gospel to them that, yes, you may know about Jesus, you may know about God, but you know him personally. It's when you know him personally that he changes your life. And sometimes that person will have the light go off in their mind And they'll say, I get it. I understand why Christ died. I understand my need for him. And I want to receive him right now. And boy, I don't know who gets more excited. If they do, having their sins forgiven. Or if I do, sharing them the love of God in Christ Jesus. But we all walk out of there excited for what God is doing. I wonder as you look at history. We've had some pretty great convincers of men and and winners of souls through the ages. And I just wonder who would you consider to be the best, the, if you would, greatest of all time, soul winner. There was a man by the name of John Harper. He was on the Titanic in its maiden voyage when it sank into the Pacific. He entered that ship with uh, his niece and his six-year-old daughter. As they knew the ship was going to go down that night... They uh, pleaded out for people to put on life preservers, and he put on a life preserver. But John Harper was a preacher, and he had a passion for souls. In fact, he was the one that the Moody Bible Institute called to be their next pastor, and he was coming over on the Titanic to take over the church where D.L. Moody had preached and uh, did great things for God over the years. He had pastored two churches in uh England, one in Glasgow and one in London. He was a very well uh, educated and very well uh, thought of as a preacher. And so he was making this voyage to go over and accept his new position. When he put on that life preserver knowing the ship was going to go down, he went to everybody he could and pleaded with them to consider their life before God. Well, that's... The lifeboats came out, his daughter and niece was put into the lifeboat and because he was a widower, they would have probably allowed him to get in as well, yet he would not get in. As he's talking to a man about his salvation, the man would not receive Christ. So he took off his life preserver and he said, sir, you need this more than I do. The ship went down into the water and as they were swimming around, he would just go from person to person. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you called upon the name of the Lord so that you could be saved? And he would go from person to person to person in frigid cold water without a life preserver. The last man he had went to said, No, sir, I will not receive Christ as my Savior. And it just broke his heart. And as he talked to a few others, he went back to that that same man once again and said, Sir, would you consider Christ? And finally, the man gave his life to Jesus Christ and got saved. He later reported after he was rescued because he too was just in the water hanging on to pieces of debris, but he was rescued and made it back. And years later, he said, I am the last convert of John Harper. Then we watched him drop into the sea forever and ever. You know, John Harper was a great soul winner. I don't know that many people have that much compassion to give their life for another But I'd say this morning that John Harper was not the greatest of all time concerning soul winners. There was a man by the name of Highland Pawpaw. He was in a Romanian jail for many years. They would not allow him to mention the gospel to any of the other people in jail with him. So he developed a Morse code type system. And he had a tin cup in his jail cell. And he would tap on the bars of that jail And he'd tap out a Morse code. His code was one click was an A. Two hits were a B. Three hits were a C and all the way down. It took him about three weeks to tap out the gospel. And yet men in the jail with him saw their need for Christ and received him as Lord and Savior. It was an amazing thing that he did. He then taught the men to speak English so that right in front of the jailers he could preach the gospel and they had no idea what he was saying. Was he a great soul winner? Absolutely. But was he the greatest of all time? I don't believe so. I think of John Wesley who rode about 4,500 miles per year on horseback. Now listen, I don't know about you but I've ridden on horseback and about two miles is enough this old boy can take. I get sore after that. 4,500 miles per year preaching the gospel. It is said that about 500,000 people came to Christ through his ministry. Was John Wesley the greatest of all time? He was great, but I don't think he was the greatest. Then we had a man by the name of Billy Sunday come through America. He would come into a town. He would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would set up a tabernacle. They would use boards and very few nails because they would tear that tabernacle down when that those meetings were finished and they would move those to another city and he would set up and preach again. It is said every time he set that up, they would throw sawdust down the trails because it would be wet or muddy, try to keep things dry. But it is said that a million people walked down that sawdust trail to shake his hand because they wanted to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Billy Sunday, a great preacher, a great soul winner, but probably not the greatest of all time. In the Bible, we have the account of Peter standing up, preaching the gospel, and 3,000 souls were saved. Later on, another time, 5,000 men saved. Peter, the greatest soul winner of all time, he was a great soul winner, but he wasn't the best. You see, I think I know who the best was. It had to be the Apostle Paul. Certainly, the Apostle Paul wrote a good portion of the New Testament, giving us instruction how to lead others to Christ. His missionary journeys took him to so many people, so many lands, and how many people he led to the Lord. Boy, Paul was a great soul winner, but even Paul wasn't the greatest of all time. You see, I know who the answer is. I know who the greatest of all time is. The greatest soul winner of all time had to be Jesus Christ. For every soul that was ever saved from the foundation of time was because of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is a great soul winner. But if we go by numbers alone, even Jesus Christ would not be considered the greatest convincer and persuader of men's souls. Matthew chapter number 7 and verse 13 records, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be with go there and at. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto righteousness, a few there be that find it. The Bible is very clear that broad is the way, and it leadeth to destruction. And many go thereby, but narrow is the way that leadeth unto righteousness, but few find. I have to say before you, sadly, that the greatest convincer of souls, the greatest persuader of souls would have to be Satan. He's claimed the hearts and lives of billions. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 10 says that Satan's kingdom was full of darkness. Oh, he's reached after many from the first two, Adam and Eve, all the way trying to persuade men and women, boys and girls, to ignore God, to ignore God's salvation. So how is he the greatest convincer, the greatest persuader of men's souls. I believe He does it in two ways. First, I believe He does it through religion. You know, God has put His knowledge into the heart of every person on planet Earth. Romans chapter 1 and verse 19 says, Because that which may be known of Him, God, is manifested in them, for God has showed it unto them. Listen, every person on earth, there's a knowledge put in their heart. They have to reject that knowledge. They have to educate themselves out of that knowledge, but it's put there. And every person knows by looking up in the sky that something greater than us has created all that we see. But through religion, Satan has been very effective. You see, religion is refuses the way God has provided for salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Yet thousands of religions throughout the world says, you take another avenue to meet God. Or that there is no God. Why so many religions? Because Satan is the author of confusion. And if he can get people confused about who God is... And they will not ever find him. He is a great persuader of men, convincer of souls. Second way I believe that he prevents people from knowing Christ is the Bible says he hides the gospel from them. Take your Bibles and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. Satan will lie because he's the father of all lies. Satan will murder because he's the father of murders. He won't tell people the truth about eternity and who God is. He will continue to lie and persuade and to deceive. And we see how he does it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Listen, Satan can't compete with the gospel. He loses every time. But what he does do is he hides the gospel. And if he can hide the gospel from men and women and boys and girls, then he's very victorious. You ever wonder how he hides the gospel? How has the gospel been hid? Because billions of people had died without Christ. And they're in a, a lake of, a, a place called hell today, soon to go into a lake of fire. They're never going to get out of there. Rejection of Jesus Christ and His salvation is torments in hell forever. So, how has the gospel been hid? It's so powerful. If someone can hear it, if someone can understand it, it changes lives. How is it hid? First, question. Did the disciples hide the gospel from others? Jesus trained 12. He sent them out. They preached the gospel. They did not hide the gospel. In their day, they did a fantastic job reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the gospel wasn't hid because of the disciples. Well, let me ask you, did the Bible proclaim the gospel? Is it because the Bible doesn't say anything about the gospel? No. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried on the third day, rose from the dead, according to the Scriptures. It is very evident from the Word of God that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. The Bible has proclaimed it. So the Gospel hasn't been hid because of the Bible. Well, if the disciples told it and the Bible tells it, maybe it's because people over the century did not pass the Gospel down. And that's why the gospel has been hid. You know what? Grace Baptist Church exists because somebody passed the gospel down to it. I don't know the pastors before Pastor Alter, but the gospel was passed down. For centuries, men and women and boys and girls have continued to pass down the gospel. And we have it today as a result. Somebody preserving the word of God, keeping it available for us. So no, it's not that the people over the century failed. They did not. So let me ask you, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that that are lost. So who is going to hide the gospel today? If anybody is guilty of hiding the gospel, it would have to be you and me. When we refuse to tell someone about Jesus Christ, we are hiding the gospel When that Holy Spirit says, why don't you give them a gospel track and we resist, we are hiding the gospel. Do you realize 60% of the world has not heard a clear presentation of the gospel? What a responsibility that we have. You ever wonder why we're still on earth? Because God isn't willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. We're here to tell the others about Jesus Christ and his saving grace. We ought to have all of our thoughts and and desires as we go out into this world. You know, so many times we go into Walmart and we're in a hurry. And we get what we need and we leave. And forget about the 20 people that we just walked by. That have souls. And the gospel is probably being hid by from them. Oh, we have a great need in the world today. You know, when God speaks, He only has to say one word. Do you know what God says to the lost man? No matter where you're at in the world, He says one word. Come. Come. If you don't know Jesus Christ, come. The bride and the groom say, come. God only says one word to the lost, come unto me and I will give you rest. Listen, God Wants to save every lost man, woman, boy, and girl. And the invitation is out there. Come. Come. Come unto me. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God only has one word for you. Come. We'll have an invitation at the end of this service. If you're not sure where you're going to spend an eternity, listen, the choices are heaven and hell. There is no other place. And you better know how to get to heaven or you're not going to get there. This morning you could come during invitation and you could say, I'm going to respond to God's word, come. I want to know how to be saved. I want to leave here knowing that no matter what happens to me, I would be with God in heaven for all eternity. You know, to the saved, God only has one word he says. You know what that one word is? Go. 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 Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts 1.8 says, And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. He says to the Christian, Go. Go. Go tell the gospel. Go across the street and tell somebody about Jesus. Go to your neighbor. Go to your family. Go to your workmate. Tell somebody that Jesus Christ loves them so much he gave his life for them and he wants to reward them with eternal life by confessing their sin and receiving him. Oh, what an opportunity that we have. You know, the word good begins with go. You know the word God begins with go. Tell somebody that Jesus loves them and died for them. I don't know about you, but if somebody's willing to lay their their life down for me, they've got my ear. They've got my heart. Jesus laid down his life for you. You know if the church would have a picnic, I think the attendance of the picnic would be pretty good, don't you? I mean, fried chicken, hamburgers, and hot dogs, and barbecue chips, and wonderful pies and cakes. Time of fellowship, maybe play a little softball. Picnics are normally well attended. But I wonder if there was a meeting that would be called to say, Hey, we're going to go down the road, and we're going to tell people about Jesus Christ. How many of you would go? I wonder why there aren't more soul winners or I wonder why there aren't better soul winners. We often are good at making excuses why we can't go. But it doesn't take God's word back and the command for us to go. The command is still there. Take your Bibles and look at John chapter number 12 and verse 42. I want to give you a few reasons why People are afraid why people don't tell somebody about Jesus. Why the gospel is being hid. The first reason, I believe, is fear. Fear. Nobody likes confrontation. It's a fearful thing to go out. It's a fearful thing to get rejected. It's fear. John 12 and verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers. Think about it. Chief rulers also... Many believed on Him, Christ. But, because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. For these chief rulers, their position and what men thought of them was more important than what God thought of them. What kind of an eternity did they have In the Civil War, the North against the South, if you didn't volunteer to fight for your side, they would take a branding iron with a C on it and they would burn a C into your chest. A C for coward. You would not take up the cause. You would not fight. Listen, fear is a real thing. And fear can get a hold of all of us. There's times that I would be out trying to talk to someone about the Lord, and I'm telling you what, all these thoughts in my mind would come through, and I'm thinking in my mind, well, uh, they're probably not home, so I shouldn't even waste my time going over there. And then I drive up, and they're home, the car's there. Well, they probably have company, and this is probably a bad time, so maybe I should just drive on by and not go in. I mean, all these things come to your mind. Am I talking the truth? And all these reasons that we have why we can't tell someone about Jesus. And yet when we finally, finally give in, we find it most rewarding. They may not receive Christ, but at least they know what they need to do. At least they went and we did what God said. So don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear hide the gospel. Be willing to go forth. And give people the greatest gift they could ever have. The gospel of Jesus Christ. You know another reason why people won't tell others about Jesus? Unholy lives. Unholy lives. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse 19. You see, sinning will silence your soul winning. You don't want to be a hypocrite. So you're just not going to tell someone about Jesus because you're not living the way that God would want you to live. But notice the command that Paul gives Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Listen, child of God, we have no business playing with sin anymore. We need to depart From iniquity. We need to honor our God. With our our bodies. Making it a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Which the Bible says is our reasonable service. It's the least thing we can do. Listen. If unholy lives is why you're not a witness. Why don't you confess that to God? Why don't you get that right? In Psalm 51. David says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and hold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way and sinners shall be converted unto thee. What an opportunity. David got things right with God and he went and taught transgressors the right way. Sinners to be converted. Converted. Listen, all we have to do is confess those sins and make it right with God. Here's an example. Let me say I had a car for sale. And I say, come over to to my house. I got this car for sale. And so you take the time and you come over to my house. When you drive in the driveway, you see a car sitting there. It's got big dents in the side of the car. I mean, 25% of the car is rust. There's three flat tires. It just, you know, the sun has removed most of the paint. I mean, it is just a disaster of a car. And I say to you, hey, what do you think? You know, it doesn't look great, but it runs good. Go ahead and buy it. How many of you are going to buy my car? You're going to laugh at me. And you're not going to want to have anything to do with my car. Listen, when we're out in the world and we allow anger to take over our lives, when we, our, our our speech Is not pleasing in the sight of God. When we laugh at bad jokes and we just have a poor attitude, listen, unholy lives will stop us from telling the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe cost the soul to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Hey, they they call themselves a Christian and they live like that? I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Folks, we're in a... A battle for the lives of men and women and boys and girls. The only reason I think Christ has not came back is because of his passion for souls. Not willing that any should perish. That all should come to repentance. You know, we believe things make us happy by purchasing. And America has become the most materialistic country in all the world. You buy something new, but you know what? After a short time, the newness wears off. That brand new car gets a dent in it, gets a scratch in it. There's a tear in your new sofa that you had. And you find out that there's no joy in the things that we own. If you would come out to Micronesia, I could take you to nearly any house. We'd open the door and you'd look inside. They wouldn't have a stick of furniture inside. They might have a refrigerator probably would not have a stove they cook on a little kerosene burner for their food they might have a tv sitting in the corner and some futon laying on the floor for a bed open their cupboards very little food wondering when the next meal comes somehow some way those micronesians understand more about happiness and joy than what we do here in america Having compassion makes the difference. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 9 and verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus had compassion on the lost. Looked at the city of Jerusalem and wept. Just wept. When's the last time we wept for a soul? I remember my mother and father did not know Jesus Christ. I did not grow up in a Christian home. And they were pretty much drunk the night we stopped over. Gave them a gospel track. And I said, Mom and Dad, you need Jesus Christ in your life. He'll give you something you can't find anywhere else. I said, you're drunk right now. You can't read these tracks. But when you sober up, will you read these tracts and see what God has for you? And they said they would, and we left. Of course, I, I walked out of there very discouraged. Mom and dad never going to get saved. They love the things of the world more than they'll ever love God. My mother called me about three days later and said, Dave, you know that paper you gave us? Yeah. Well, we prayed that prayer on the track. We asked Christ to save us. And I said, Really? And my mom's life changed. Man, she got rid of the alcohol. Took her a while to get rid of the smoking, but she got rid of the smoking. She felt guilty every time she lit up. I'm offending God. God gave her victory over that as well. And what a what a life she lives now. Ninety years old, still driving a car. My dad didn't get saved right away. Boy, he had to bottom out in life. Lost everything. But finally he saw his need for Christ and got saved. Listen, when you have a burden for souls, as I did for my parents, and tears running down the cheeks of my face before their eyes, they knew I was serious. They knew I had a compassion for their lives. And God made a difference. Psalms chapter 126, verse 6 says, He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Sadly, the gospel being hid, Sometimes you and I are guilty at hiding it. Oh, may we today ask God for help and say, help us not to hide the gospel. Help us not aid Satan in his quest to stop people from hearing the gospel because he knows that the gospel changes lives. I wonder this morning, have you been the gospel witness that you ought to be? The Lord will help you with that. You got fear? So do I. God will take care of that fear. You have unclean lives? Confess it to the Lord. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you know the third reason that people don't go after souls? They simply don't care. Jude chapter 1 and verse 21 and 22. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some having compassion, making a difference. Oh, help us if we just don't care. Help us if we just don't care. Listen, I'm glad somebody cared for my soul. I'm glad somebody brought me the gospel. I'm glad I meant something something to somebody. Somebody. That they didn't hide the gospel from me. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ changed my life. And we have eight, nearly 8 billion people in this world. And the majority of them need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning two questions. One, are you going like God wants you to? Two, if you're not saved, will you come? If you don't know Christ this morning as Lord and Savior, will you come? Will you let one of the men or one of the ladies of this church take a a Bible and show you how you can be saved? Would you come this morning? Don't wait. Don't let anything else bother you. Just come as God calls you. Come.